It's so early. I'm your host, Will Shelkoff, author of The Bitcoin Dog, following the scent to the Bitcoin C++ source code. And I'm here with my friend, Ulrich. Happy to have you on, Ulrich. Sorry, Ulrich, why don't you please introduce yourself? Uh, hey, my name is Ulrich Batillo. Uh, I am a, I'm one of the co-authors for the Declaration of Monetary Independence.org. It had a little bit of a presence at the Bitcoin conference this year. Um, I'm also uh, a contributor to Bitcoin Magazine. I've published nine articles with them over the last uh, 14 months and looking forward to continuing that relationship with them. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, definitely, uh, you know, very excited to see those nine articles published in Bitcoin Magazine. Um, thank you for contributing to the space. I want to start by just uh, asking you if you could please uh, share your Bitcoin story, how you got started with Bitcoin. Yeah, sure. Um, I think it pretty much started, you know, I think we all, a, a lot of us in the space had our had our dabble in in altcoins, um, you know, the you know, the the light coins and the and the Ethereum. Mine started in 2017. I remember when Bitcoin was on its run up and uh, me and my coworker were looking for the next Bitcoin. Um, we determined that it was Tron for us, TRX. <laughs> yeah, uh, my my rationale was that uh, was that Tron was going to be the the Bitcoin for China, and it was it was it was guaranteed. And then, as, as if as if this global currency is like for a certain country, I didn't know what I was thinking. <laughs> and it, and yeah. well, I thought I was anyway. thought I was good. And it, I bought. We bought an. Er early one cent it went up to 17 cents i thought i was a guru and then it went all the way back down to one cent oh, and, round trip. and i just kind of left it alone for a couple years left all of it the only bitcoin i bought was just to uh denominate in uh, my investment into tron i had to buy bitcoin on coinbase and then in 2020 um stock market crashed um i had some liquidity and i was saying it's time to get some get some um, cheap equities, cheap, cheap uh, investments. And one of them was Bitcoin. Uh, and then during the summer, my dad reached out to me, summer 2020, spring of 2020. He said, my dad told me something and he was very adamant. He said, you know, you need to buy this thing called Bitcoin. I'm like, well, dad, I'm already ahead of the game. I already got some. <laughs> and he said, you need to get some more. I'm like, well, some more. I was like, well, how much more? And then he said, and then he said with all, with so much conviction, he says, how much money do you got? And I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, it was very, very strange. My dad is more, is very chill about a lot of things and ne never too, um, not pushy, but never too urgent about anything. But he was about this Bitcoin and he's always been kind of a very watchful and, and cautious and very negative on central banking and as a child, I never knew why. I just thought that, oh, what's wrong with that? Story, like, stories from your father. Yeah. You know, hey, Ulrich, you need to be careful about central banking. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, dad, <laughs> let me go play basketball and play video games. Yeah. And, but then it's like, okay, you know, my dad sounded convicted. He said, go listen to some articles and read some articles, listen to some videos, podcasts. So he pointed me to Max Kaiser. He pointed me to, to George Gammon, um, you know, and, but, 
all those things about central banking and inflation, it really, really registered with me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take this liquidity I had in 2020 from, you know, the last few years of, you know, selling property and whatnot. And I'm going to denominate my savings in Bitcoin. Um, and it, when it, luckily for me, you know, it, it worked out from a, from a dollar standpoint, dollar unit of account standpoint. And it made me more curious as to what the heck was going on. <laughs> um, Time to actually take a second look. Now that's working out well. <laughs> and I started dabbling. I started reaching out to, um, or looking for other resources. I started uh, learning from other podcasters, started reading other pieces of work. Um, and what really triggered my heart to start contributing to the space was listening to uh, um, say what, you know, say whatever opinion you would have of him, of both of these people, uh, Robert Breedlove interviewing Michael Saylor, I believe it was episode seven, uh, just the conviction of why a billionaire um, would find um, rationale or find meaningfulness in, in investing in such a, or denominating his, his, his company savings in such a seemingly speculative asset. And he said that people, this would improve the lives of so many people. He says he doesn't need Bitcoin, but, um, but that's not, that's not the reason why he got into it. He got into it because he sees it will make the world a better place. And, uh, and I was almost in tears. I remember I was COVID was locked down. I was working out in the field, mm -hmm. um, doing quick feet work or with a, with a mm -hmm. weighted vest. And I'm like, I had to stop. And it's like, I got, I have to do something too. And uh -huh. so I, I just felt the call there and started, I wrote something. I remember wrote, wrote my first article. It took, wrote it in very short, short time frame. maybe, maybe a day and a half. I spent all one night I spent, I was up until four in the morning, just, just churning out thoughts and, 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 uh, and paragraphs. And when I finished it, I sat on it for three weeks. And I said, like, you know what? I'm just going to just go for it and submit it to uh, to a to a medium. Um, Bitcoin Magazine was the only magazine that would be willing to accept someone who didn't have journalistic credentials. Um, mm. And I kind of liked that because they had that that pleb feel to them. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like this, this, these are the words. I think, from I think they start every Bitcoin podcast like "Hello plebs" or whatever. And I think, and you know, say what you will about Bitcoin Magazine, yeah. people who listen to you or people out there. Um, but they, I do think that there is a there is a contingency within that company that is very much um, people oriented, and it shows by the type of content they publish and the type of relationships they like to maintain with regular people who don't have any credentials or or finance or, or policy experience like myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was back now 14 months ago, uh, still in close contact with the editors and the team uh, at the magazine and looking forward to my next piece. And yeah, I just can't stop um, contributing because there's someone out there who hasn't heard about what Bitcoin is and what it can mean for them. And uh, my goal is to make sure that everyone in my circle and beyond um, has a story that they can fall back on and that can, that can help them um, choose what I think is the proper course of action for all people in the world. Yeah, I mean, I have it printed out right here. I think this was your first article, the one titled Christian Fear of Bitcoin Stems from Lack of Knowledge and Misdirection. 
Is that right? Was that the very first one? That was the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that that's more of like, my goal there was to, how you say, find a, find a, a niche that where I can be of some added value. Um, you know, there is a, there are a lot of people speaking from the social aspect, um, from the financial aspect, um, but from a, I guess from a, from a faith or moral aspect, I felt like there wasn't much commentary and, you know, the Bible, one of the major, major, uh, topics in the Bible besides, you know, the, what people would normally think, you know, whether it's miracles or, or, or Christ or, or, uh, you know, the Israel, the Israelites, uh, walking through the wilderness, um, the Bible talks about money a lot in savings and how you should yeah. uh, maintain uh, the, the wealth that you, that you accrue. Yeah. You say you at the start that over 2000 of the verses in the Bible have to do with money and wealth. There you go. So, so I felt like it, Bitcoin seeing what Bitcoin is for, for the world, which is a, a form of censorship resistance exchange. It's a form of, it's a storage of value um, that can that is extremely hard to um, to debase by by external forces. What you have is a is a is a form of anti theft money, and you know that that falls in line with an ethics with an ethical principle that that falls from Judeo Christian uh, philosophy. So I was like, you know, I think that's a I don't see too much. In fact, I mentioned that in the article. I don't see much about Bitcoin from a Christian perspective, at least at that point. Didn't know who Jim, Jim Song to, was. To be clear, when you say anti-theft money, you mean as if uh, inflation is theft, not like a physical thief uh, trying to steal your dollars or something. I mean both. Both. Yeah. I mean both. I yeah. mean when you, uh, uh, from a theft perspective, you know the the crypt. The cryptography is uh, SHA-256, it does, it does its job, you know, we, we know that people spend uh, 500,000 years trying to, to decode it, you might as well participate willingly in the participate honestly in the network. Mm -hmm. But then when you think about, you know, inflation and what what governments do, they steal because they have control over the, the monetary system. And so basically, if they increase the supply, um, that that weakens the the units that that were uh, previously in the in the in circulation. So I find that Bitcoin solves both of those problems um, quite efficiently, and it's it basically like my article said. I find it ironic how many um, Christian voices um, aren't jumping up for joy at this discovery. Um, that has that took place 13 years ago. To the contrary, I feel like many um, Christians or or Christian finance people uh, find reasons to attack Bitcoin for many of many reasons I've yeah. mentioned. I'm article. curious, you know, how for that, uh, how much of it do you think? Like, how uh, what percentage of those Christian voices attacking Bitcoin? do you think are people who truly understand how Bitcoin works? Like they've taken the time to understand it and despite everything they've learned, they, they've chosen to rally against it? Or do you think, you know, they're uh, judging it prematurely without having learned more about it first? 
you know, I, you know, the, you know, the Bible says that only, that only God knows the heart of man. So I would be, we'll stay clear of that one. <laughs> I would be, yeah. I would be somewhat, um, it would be somewhat ill willed to, to judge, you know, what, what's going on in someone else's mind. But I mm-hmm. would say that there's the safe answer is it's probably both. There are mm-hmm. probably a lot of people who, um, who look at the charts and they say it goes up and down. Mm-hmm. And so therefore it's volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course it goes up and down the, according to a money that's a poor form already, but mm-hmm. it's the money that we are forced to use. Yeah. So we're used to seeing our unit of account, $1 equals $1 far from true mm-hmm. because $1 being is, can buy a fewer amount of apples every year, fewer amount Mm -hmm. of candy bars every year, but we don't really, we don't judge the dollars purchasing. Is it, is it because the, the candy bars got smaller? Is that the reason? Is it because the candy bars, uh, you know, uh, have less chocolate in them? (laughs) Of course, of course. Right. No, you know, it's because the the dollar has less purchasing power in them. So it's like, you know, they, I think they, they take that, that metric and they they come up with a with a with a theory that's short that's short-sighted and then they uh, there could be another group of people that that see that okay i did i get the picture bitcoin is and is money that's not owned by the government that's not owned by any central authority but i've made my living doing things this way and just like the old saying, it's hard to teach an, an old dog new tricks. We mm-hmm. we forget the Christians. We see the same thing with Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. Yeah. Um. They they don't whether they they understand Bitcoin or not. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if they've spent seventy five, eighty five years mm-hmm. thinking a certain way, and then all of a sudden you expect them to change, um, there's not a lot of incentive for them to change their perspective. Um, and it's sad because. Even as even as we age, we should. Ne- the Bible says, "But we're never we're never done learning. We're never mm-hmm. done gaining wisdom." Um, yeah. So, in that in that from that perspective, we could say that people are are high on their own knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. But I think even I quote a Bible verse in that article: um, "A man's ways seem right to him, uh, but to God, it's it's folly." Um, mm-hmm. I forget what verse that is. I know okay. I quoted it. that's fine yeah um yeah i mean i guess that's kind of this is just a fun thought i had but um i think it's up to us as people to decide uh what we use as as money there's not necessarily like a a, i don't think there's a teaching that prescribes oh you're supposed to use gold as money or you're supposed to use something specific as money um thinking about your reformate your piece on the reformation um uh, even in the time of the Catholic Church, I don't think the Pope or the Vatican necessarily issued um, a money or any money. Um, what is interesting is to think for a sliver of time that having the Church of England, like you say, where King King Henry VIII, you know, starts the Anglican Church, uh, and he's he is now the head of the Church and not the Pope in Rome, and maybe that's the first time that you had a a holy figure, you know, issuing the, the British pound or the British sterling. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, you could have a religious tie to the money, but 
I don't know if that necessarily lasted long, but uh, yeah. So do you think, because I hear you when you say um, that's a Bible verse, Bible teaching to always be learning, always be open-minded. So I think that's the point you're trying to emphasize is when it comes to Bitcoin, rather than immediately shunning it or shooing it away, um, like it ought to be like considered and learned like, oh, could this be useful? I find it very interesting being a being a Christian in space, and I see so many parallels um, with watching people interact with Bitcoin and learn about Bitcoin in the same way I see people in church learning about um, the Bible and learning about Christ. Um, one particular thing is I often see that people say, the more I learn about Bitcoin, the more I realize how little I know. <laughs> and it's so much. And then also, they also say, the more I learn about Bitcoin, the more I realize how much I love Bitcoin or how much I appreciate it. Very few people get into Bitcoin and, re and say, you know what, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. And I find you know people who have looked into Bitcoin deeply and said this is not for me. No, I do not. Oh no, I, no <laughs> okay. I, I, it, it's the opposite. People who barely looked at it. Decided oh, if I, did, yeah, if I had a bit of dyslexia, I'm sorry. It's, it's a long day of work. <laughs> no, um, no, yeah. yeah. That would be interesting to be like, yeah, because I personally, I have, I also have yet to experience anyone who's deeply looked at Bitcoin and then still said no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I have, I have yet to have had that happen. I mean, sure. Sure, even Vitalik, who is one of the founders of Bitcoin Magazine, you know, he might start his own uh, Ethereum cryptocurrency, but uh, I've never seen him say anything negative about Bitcoin as a store of value. He's just trying to start his thing. But yeah, anyway, go on. Yeah, no, no, for sure. <laughs> um, and so I find that same thing, uh, you know, in 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 church, you know, people who are, you know, who are actually Christians and, and you know, desire to learn more about about their creator. They do. They they have a similar sentiment. It's like the more they dive into the Bible, the more they realize how little they knew in the first place, mm -hmm. and the more that triggers them to learn more. It's a feedback loop for growing. Um, and there's just very few things. You know, a lot of people. You know, even sports. You know, sports people get burned. The greatest players get burned out playing mm -hmm. basketball. The yeah. greatest players, you know, pay, pay, you see you see Tom Brady, you know, flirting with retirement. He says he's been <laughs> flirting with retirement for five years. Yeah. Why? Because it's like maybe he just wants to do something else. Yeah. I don't see that with, I don't see that with, with faith. I don't mm -hmm. see that. Of course, there's exceptions. I'm not going to say it's yeah. uh, never, yeah. never say never and never say always. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't see that with faith and I don't see that with Bitcoin. You know, I mean, even, even the CEO of Doge, you know, left, <laughs> left Doge, you know, yeah. even, even the, you know, you've heard Vitalik say some, some weird cryptic things about his, about his, um, his April fool's post for sure. The, the case for Bitcoin maximalism. I like that a lot. Even, but even after that, that I think recent was, tweet thread of yeah, his confessions, was, yeah, his little confessions. Like, yeah. It was a little bit of a, a really interesting to read. In, the, in the resiliency for, yeah. you know, for his vision. It's like, Oh, what does that mean? Maybe it means nothing. But yeah. again, I don't see that happening much in Bitcoin. I know that there are people who have moved on the, you know, the, 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 the fork, the forks in the past, etc. But it's like the true maximalists, the true people who are Bitcoiners, um, that all they're doing is growing more and more fond of the network. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's a good it's a good group to be a part of. They're, they're a reliable group. And we all know that we all are, are shooting for the same goal, um, which is, of course, you know, 
to re-denominate the world uh, into, into Bitcoin, a hard money mm -hmm. standard. Yeah, it's so it's so funny when I think about the the Bitcoin or the promise of Bitcoin. Uh, we're not we're not actually necessarily trying to give anyone anything. Like, there's no freebie here. There's no giveaway here. It's just the principle of proof of work. You know, just like hey, you you worked hard to create value. We just want to give you an honest way to store the value of of your work. That that's really all it is. So it's not like you're getting something for nothing. It's like no, you still have to work hard. You still have to earn your Bitcoin. But at least once you've earned it, uh, it's yours. Can't be taken away. Uh, you get to keep it. And most importantly, like you said, it's it's not getting debased out from under you. You finally have a a way to store that value. There's so many altcoin value propositions that are based on yields and how much how much of the of the inflationary token can you receive yeah. on a on a periodic basis mm -hmm. and it's just so funny that people are working to which it's a flat out first of all they're flat out pyramid schemes mm -hmm. second of all it's funny how they are they are they are encouraging incentivizing people to try to be on top of the no value pyramid as much as possible. It's like on the get, top of the no value pyramid. You're the king, you're on top, but there's no value you under you. You don't have to do any work. Yeah. You just can collect yeah. off of no risk. Oh my gosh. No work. Oh, it sounds and, great. And here's your here's your 20% yield. Or even yeah. hey, if you're if you're a multi billionaire and whatever token yeah. here's your six percent yield and you yeah. don't have to work ever yeah I mean, ever, I mean, that's, ever a value, that's a value proposition for every single token that 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 uh elicits a yield yeah and so they and these people and, people, and it and the thing is that's inherent in the protocol that's different from just saying hey i'm giving out a loan and i want to collect interest on the loan this right. is built into the protocol quote unquote uh no risk uh, guaranteed yield, you know, yeah, and alone, yeah. there's supposed to be risk in this. It's just, no, this is just your reward for nothing. You're risking for a project that yeah. you hope returns something, but get, but that, that project is yeah. supposed to generate economic yeah. value. Yeah. And so there, Hey, here's your cut. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, yeah. But that, the, the, you, Hey, it's like stake your token. <laughs> Here you are. Here's more it's, token. <laughs> it's about, and so that's the reason why like Ethereum, it draws upper middle class people it draws mm -hmm. very rich people so yeah. oh look i mean i have i have 10 billion i have 10 million dollars mm -hmm. sitting in the bank yeah. i mean i can just collect six yeah. percent yeah. with no risk yeah. risk risk free return yeah well that's also that's all, all that's yeah. doing is I mean, inflating the the economy a lot of people made money on ust and the anchor protocol as long as they pulled out and sold all their Luna and UST in April, you know, as long as right. they pulled the, pulled the rug out right before it all fell apart. So it doesn't mean that people can't get rich doing this. It's just, you know, going back to what you're saying, it's, it's clearly not ethical for starters. Um, and, uh, and they're just outright dishonest to encourage people to participate. It's getting rich mm -hmm. off the backs of others. And, yeah. you know, say what yeah. you say, what you want about, you know, gambling, you know, playing craps or poker. People go in there and knowing what they're doing. They are they yeah. are they are risking. It's marketed money. as gambling. It's not marketed as uh, securing your deposits. That's or something. right. Yeah. These altcoins are marketing themselves as value creation, and yeah. it's all that is is as to quote Max Kaiser, a gulag casino. It's <laughs> yeah. a it's a nasty place, and but it's but under the guise of 
some sort of crypto utopia. It's mm-hmm. it's it's utter nonsense. Yeah. So um, yeah, something I was interested in exploring more uh, going to your Re- Reformation piece, mm-hmm. Martin Luther. Um, a topic that you had that really fascinated me was this concept how uh, as much as there's a big comparison to the Gutenberg Bible and uh, sorry, the the printing press, the Gutenberg printing press and how the printing press really democratized knowledge and made knowledge and information readily available, that it was actually maybe Martin Luther pinning the 95 theses to the church door. That was the more more impactful thing that started the Protestant Reformation. Um, so uh, I'd be curious to, I'd have to reference the article again, but I'd be curious to say, you know, why why it was Martin Luther's act of pinning those 95 theses that was, I mean, they're both matter, but more impactful than just the printing press alone. Well, the printing press and the, and the, and the 95 theses were all subcomponents yeah. of the entire renaissance mm-hmm. even the protestant reformation was a was a portion of the renaissance mm-hmm. and i would say that most people again you know a lot of you know when you think of you know some people don't want to really think about christianity's impact on the world or mm-hmm. the, or it, or its positive impact on the world for you know for obvious reasons but um <laughs> they don't want to think of its positive impact on the yeah, world you know, let's just pretend that that had nothing to do with it. Like, just completely turn a blind and, eye and to the reason of all this good that has happened in the world. And you know, a lot of and a lot of bad has happened under the flag of Christianity. You right, know, it's true. Because a lot of yeah. a lot of wars. But yeah, I would I would right. venture I would venture to say that you know even I mean even Martin Luther was involved in some sort of a peasant war after the Reformation. Oh, really? Some people have a have issue with him in that regard. Okay. I would say that. These wars are, while under the flag of Christianity, are the same. At the same time, could be equivalent to wars that are under the flag of freedom or democracy nowadays. Sure. But they are there to to um, to crush uh, competition to the dollar or mm-hmm. crush uh, other people's rights to uh, their own their own liberties or or their own property. So mm-hmm. that the you know the the Christian, what is it called? The, uh, the Holy Wars back in the day, um, or, or any, any person that tried to claim, you know, some sort of religion while they were oppressing people. Um, it was only a way to, to make others suffer under some sort of moral high ground. Yeah. Just the justification for violence, regardless of whether or not we were to say they're justified. That's right. Mm -hmm. But in terms of this right here, I do, I do see the Protestant Reformation as a major um, move when it comes down to individual liberties, um, the decentralization uh, or the attack on centralized forces uh, or centralized institutions like the Roman Catholic church back in the day. And I felt like these 95 theses um, is sort of oh, that were nailed on the, ch- on the church door at Wittenberg um, back in the 15, early 1500s. It basically gave a wake up call to a lot of people that said, hey, you know, the way things are, are not necessarily the way things have to be. Um, and with that new technology, the printing press, you know, the 95 theses that Martin Luther wrote just to t- have a, a internal conversation with yeah. with some church leaders. 
Yeah, it wasn't necessarily meant to go to the whole public. That's he, right. he wrote it in Latin instead of in German. That's yeah. right. And so his German students who knew Latin, yeah. they took they took those theses saying, hey, this is big. <laughs> Once it's on the internet, it's forever. Once it's pinned on the church door, it's that was there the, forever. That was the internet back in the <laughs> yeah. day. And yeah. they went and took it to the to the to the printing press. They printed a whole bunch of copies and sent it all over the city. And soon it was all over Germany uh-huh. and then sparked the, hey, wait a minute, what are we doing this for? And it's like a lot of protests and they and a lot of people said, yeah, what he said, Martin Luther. And so began the great, you know, the great movement that sought to decentralize um, religious institutions, whether they were whether they were at the state um, the, or I'm sorry, the nation region or local level, um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of movement to say, hey, we, we have enough knowledge and we have enough um, passion for this institution uh, to make it our own, our, our own. And we don't, we don't need any centralized king, namely the Pope, um, to tell us um, what is or what isn't a part of our faith. Uh, and it was, a, it was a risky movement for those people, but it was also... Um, because of them, we have what is considered to be a pretty, a pretty free, um, free religion in terms of uh, the many denominations of Christianity. And of course, you know, oh, well, now that this not, I don't consider that there is um, one Christian view and then the rest of them are altcoins or, (laughs) or or cults. What I do see is that there are many Christian denominations that have they're a similar passion for understanding what the Bible mm-hmm. and that they have certain particular tra- uh, interpretations, mm-hmm. um, slight, slight nuances that make them different, that make them worship different, that make them pray different, that make them uh, participate in church differently. All right. So, yeah, I think to summarize the Reformation, you were saying when we were talking about uh, Martin Luther's 95 Theses, uh, sparking uh, decentralization. It was this concept of, uh, as opposed to a single central authority, uh, the Pope in the Vatican of the Catholic Church determining how uh, all people of Europe must uh, interpret the Bible and how they must practice their faith. Um, that Protestant Reformation really encouraged uh, different um, religious what was the word? Um, denominations. Denomination, different Christian denominations to each um, interpret the Bible in their own way uh, and each uh, practice their faith in their own way. There isn't a single central authority to say, this is the way that you um, will study uh, the Bible and, and live live the teachings of Jesus. But um, your denomination can determine that for themselves. Absolutely. I mean, that that was the sort of a, a real big kickstarter in individual freedoms. And we can't help but notice the parallels with what hap- what's happening with our financial freedoms now. As we're as we're under- as people are coming to understand what Bitcoin is, um, there there are opportunities for us to opt out of the legacy centralized system and participate in uh, the circular economy that is the Bitcoin network. And as as vendors as businesses start accepting Bitcoin here and there. Um, what you'll find is that, you know, there, there's more than one way to exchange value. Uh, and that's how it should have always been. Uh, but for whatever reason, whether it was, you know, people who look to 
co- uh, to co-opt uh, power, people who sought to to uh, monopolize uh, monopolize power. Um, you know, they were enabled because you know they had the weapons, they had the they had the the political position. Uh, but thank goodness, because of this Bitcoin discovery, that we're able to um, have other options in this day and age. And, you know, I think I feel like it's my job. It's your job. It's, you know, everyone who's already here to essentially share this good news because people are kind of seeing Bitcoin. It's like, oh, it's just like it's just a trading mechanism. It's like, no, no, it's, it's, it's <laughs> just the, another way to barter. <laughs> yeah. It's the peaceful revolution. Yeah. And and it's it's important. Um, but yeah, so I, I felt I thought that there was a good parallel there. I'm glad it got pretty pretty good uh, reception, and uh, I, I hope that more Christians understand those parallels and they use my articles to sort of understand where where the future lies with a with a decentralized monetary network. Yeah, I mean, you know, so hey, uh, if we're gonna talk about uh, revolution, you know, the American Revolution started with the Declaration of Independence and. Uh, here I have in front of me the Declaration of Monetary Independence. Mm-hmm. I think the the website is called Declaration of Monetary Independence dot com dot org. dot org dot org. Okay, so yeah, there we go. Declaration of Monetary Independence dot org. Uh, where if you're listening, you can uh, follow along, read along uh, on that web page. Um, yeah, thank you uh, very much for publishing this document. I think we spoke a little, you know, echoing your themes from your articles. Uh, all of the motivation that you had to uh, write and draft this document, encourage people to sign it. One of the um, bullets that was pretty interesting to me and uh, the need to form this declaration was uh, item number four. The printing of these units are exclusionary and confer privilege on those closest to the central bank, the Cantillon effect. Yeah, I mean... You know, the first half of the of the declaration was fo- is focused, of course, on on the detriments of the of fiat currency, and I think this one really is important because one, it's there, there's this term that most people in their daily lives don't understand what it means, but this but Cantillon or Cantillon or Cantillion, however you pronounce it, depending on what part <laughs> of the United States you're from, um, this effect is essentially what's happening every you know on a regular basis and it's been accelerating since you know since the 2020 you know covid crash uh and it's been more apparent before it was a little bit veiled because it was a little more slower moving but you can't you can't avoid the fact that if you that if you're printing that if an if the government is printing money and that money is is uh provided to um large institutions, large established, very lucrative institutions, um, they're going to have access to goods and services before um, the rest of the population does. And when the rest of the, by the time the rest of the population gets to that car or that, uh, that, that uh, loaf of bread, um, what you have is, what you have is, you know, those goods and services have already been Go, uh, at that price point is all, have already been purchased and yeah. they can't and it can't be avoided that those that that the prices are going to rise for the people who get access to the money later if and, they, they don't get a warning or something like oh hey maybe hold off on your purchase because we're about to um you know print a bunch more dollars 
they don't and it would be it would it would not behoove the central forces to do that so it's like most people are unaware of that and it's it's quite a shame and you know part of part of educating people on on bitcoin is educating people on the sins and the the evils and the and the and the misfortune in the current system you know most mm-hmm. people would say what do I need Bitcoin for? I'm, I make a hundred thousand dollars. I drive a pretty, I drive a nice Prius. Most people in that position, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And they, and they, yeah. and they say, "What do I need it for?" It's, it's okay, but they don't realize that that the dollar is a is a melting ice cube, and it doesn't behoove them. The only way it behooves them is if they are printing the money, or 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 first of one degree separate from the mm. money printer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's I, I I really hope that people learn that if there's nothing that people don't learn don't learn in finance if, if there's nothing that people learn in finance please learn about what the Cantillon effect does to people um, to you to me to everyone and then to be clear uh, based on how Bitcoin works it just doesn't even exist the Cantillon effect it can't there, there's it's Bitcoin is on a, it's on a step function for plant uh, in terms of planned inflation we know we know every sing, when every single new unit is going to be created we know when every single new unit um, is going to be mined um, and we know when it's going to stop um, you know it and it's 2140 2140 mm-hmm. and it's you know having every every having is going to be less and less inflation in the Bitcoin network, whereas in the in the in the current system, we have more and more inflation over time, and every single fiat currency has always died because of hyperinflation, and the and the dollar won't be won't be saved from that. People like to think that Bitcoin will save the dollar. I can't imagine how Bitcoin would save the dollar. <laughs> it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. We I think it's I think it's a I think it's a false flag patriotism thing, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's Bitcoin essentially fixes inflation. And when you consider that, that, you know, the, the rant that we complain, that we argue about minimum wage, we argue about teacher salaries, we argue about, you know, we argue about uh, cost of living increases. Um, Bitcoin fixes all that pretty simply, you know, it's like all you, all you have, all you have is exchange of value. All you have is, is, is time spent working and you don't have to add in a factor of how much money is the government going to add to the system in order to screw the rest of the population, in order to further oppress people. Uh, and it's a, and that's a good thing. It's a bad thing for the ultra rich. It's a bad thing for the ultra ultra affluent. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, is that most regular people are listening to those to those people and their propaganda machines and we have to make sure you know as bitcoiners that we are that we are educating we are sharing the essential good news of what this new network does for their everyday lives mm-hmm. i think also uh you know one of the fud things you mentioned the inflationary schedule of bitcoin uh now now that it's 6.25 bitcoin uh every is block. given for, as a subsidy every block I think the inflation percentage is either 2% or 1.5% at this point. So by definition, the inflationary schedule of issuance of Bitcoin was higher in the earlier years. Uh, but now in 2022, uh, 1.5%, 2%, which was always the goal, maybe, of the US dollar inflation 
in the first place, uh, regardless of whether or not that even was possible. Mm -hmm. And so if there was a time to get started in Bitcoin, if you were, if you were, if you knew enough about Bitcoin to know about its inflationary schedule, and if that was the thing stopping you, uh, it only gets better from here and it's already a, you know, much more reasonable value. And it's not necessarily an inflation thing. This is a, a reward to the miners for helping increase the hash power of the network to help, right. help keep it all secure. The other point, oh yeah, sorry, no. Oh, no. The other point was uh, number 26 of uh, the beginning. The current monetary policy encourages and incentivizes short-term thinking, a high-time preference, over long-term thinking, a low-time preference. Yeah, I think that these are these are terms that I mean, that a lot of people are using in the in the Bitcoin space. I I mean I I'll be honest, I learned it from listening to Robert Breedlove's interviews. I think it's a beautiful. Yeah, term. I never heard of it before this Bitcoin stuff. Yeah. Absolutely, mm -hmm. and I think it's a beautiful term. I think it I think it registers with my my uh, my religious values, my Christian values. I think and you that, mentioned in your articles. Yeah, yeah, it you know when you think about uh you know the Bible says to pick up your cross and follow him. Well, what does that mean? Pick up your cross is a form of, you know, when you, when you're carrying your cross, that means you're going to die as a form of execution back in Roman times. So <laughs> like, like before you get crucified, you got to carry your own cross. Yes. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, they, they, they really rub it in. It's like talking about digging your own grave, except now it's carrying. That's the, it's like, I'm going to carry this as slowly as possible. That was, cross. that was it. And, and Christ, oh my God. Yeah. He had to carry his cross up to Calvary. But the thing uh. is, is that that was a term when, so that because of that term, pick Pick up your cross was a form was a, a terminology that they use as a form of hey sacrifice yourself sacrifice yeah. what is important to, to you for something else that's important so yeah. from a Christian perspective they wrote like that because like sacrifice the now for your vision for the future in Christians' perspectives it would be yeah. eternal life with Christ in heaven mm -hmm. from a Bitcoin perspective we think about we think about the dollar. The, do the best time to use a dollar is right now. Yeah, yesterday, immediately. Yesterday. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. tomorrow it's worth 99 cents equivalent. Yeah. Um, and then the next week it's worth 94 cents and et cetera. When you think about Bitcoin, because of its, because of its number go up, because of its participant go up, mm -hmm. um, and you know that people are going, the adoption is going to increase its its value according to, I don't even want to say to a dollar value, but its value according to other things in the world, according to a home, according to a car, mm -hmm. according to things that actually mean something. A dollar yeah. means nothing. Right. Bitcoin's value will go up according to those elements because of its adoption rate, because more people will denominate their earnings in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. The low time preference of buy your Bitcoin now, purchase your Bitcoin now, wait as it grows in value. Right now, it's a great savings mechanism. It's already been proven. If you hold it for any amount of four years, it's going to rise in, in purchasing power easily. And I think that's what you mentioned in the article is uh, it's there is no period in Bitcoin's history where if you measured it, the current price versus four years ago, you're at a loss. Like at that, in a four year scale, it's, if you held it, at least it's not that um, past performance is indicator of future performance, right. but you know, hashtag not financial advice, but right. it's never happened over four years that you're down. 
That's right. And, and, and from that, from that regards, um, you re most people are not used to assessing the performance or the, or the efficiency of a, of a, of an investment in, in that regards. Most people mm -hmm. talk about year over year. They talk yeah. about the quarter, six mm -hmm. months. Um, just, just the other day, I think two days ago, they, they released something on the Fred where they denominated the price of a dozen eggs in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And, but guess what? They showed the chart six months, six months long. And what has happened in Bitcoin in the last six months? Well, it's yeah. gone down. It's gone down from 48,000 to 29, 30,000. Okay. Of course that, that, that's yeah. how they, of course work. a dozen eggs has changed. Yeah. yeah. And they're going to say, Oh, look, it costs more for yeah. a dozen eggs in Bitcoin over the last six months. Yeah. Well, Bozo, have you considered <laughs> blowing it back to last 48 months instead of six months? But yeah. no, because that would change the narrative. Yeah. So generally speaking, Bitcoiners- So you're talking about the propaganda arm. Yeah. It's, a, it's more propaganda. It's like, let's mm -hmm. show things in a, in a, even in 19, in the book, 1984, you know, right. there, was a, there was a dynamic in that book where people were, uh, forgot the past, mm -hmm. it, whether it was magic, whether it was through some sort of trickery in mm -hmm. the system. I didn't read the book. I've only heard about it, yeah, yeah. but they, people essentially forgot about the past. So they didn't know what happened before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about, you know, how the media portrays Bitcoin, they never portray it. Hey, you know, over since 2018, Bitcoin has been up, you know, three, you know, 2000%, yeah, they say, yeah. Bitcoin is down over the last six months, even if it hit an all-time high. Yeah, as, right. soon as, it, as soon as it goes down, oh, Bitcoin Literally all-time high. Like, highest ever, $69,000 oh, for a Bitcoin. Over the last two we're gonna, weeks. We're going to spin that into a negative. So, so you have to see what side of the... Of yeah. the you have to see what side of the of the ring they're on. You have to know who's controlling them, yeah. and it's the people who control the dollar. It's the politicians. It's the it's the centralized governments. They don't want you to use a monetary unit that isn't that isn't owned and controlled by them. Mm -hmm. But that's why we wrote this. This is a declaration of monetary independence. This isn't a declaration of monetary alliance with the dollar. Mm -hmm. There's no. There is <laughs> not that. There is no alliance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I, I know um, what uh, uh, Michael Saylor says and what Peter McCormick both say is uh, there can still be a world where, of course, there exists both the dollar and Bitcoin. Absolutely. It's not necessarily like it's not allowed for the U.S. government to issue a currency. They absolutely still can. Um, but it behooves people to opt into Bitcoin um, as much as possible. I think that there will, I think the dollar will always be around, generally speaking, at least always, at least as long as I'm alive. I think that that, that Bitcoin, um, I think layered money by Nick Basha. Um, it's such a useful tool to be able to print more if you need to. Yes. And the, that is fair. I will say that. The problem, the problem with that is, is that because Bitcoin shines a light on evil, it shines a light on manipulation, that printing, every, any little bit amount that they print, you will know. Because if Bitcoin is the, is the world standard for, for unit of account yeah. or, 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 store, or yeah, unit of account, forget store value, medium exchange. Yeah. If, it's a, if it's the world standard for unit of account, every 
every single monetary system. If if anyone knows that, oh, the United States printed another trillion dollars. Well, what is that? Well, Brit. Well, the the British pound didn't print a trillion equivalent. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, according to Bitcoin, it's worth less than Bitcoin, <laughs> yeah. and therefore, guess what? That trillion dollars is going to be felt in their entire economy. So they yeah. have to. They have now. Before, no one had to count the cost for printing. The only yeah. people who had to pay for the printing were the people at the bottom of the cantillion yeah. effect, were That's the right. poor people. And the rich got to say, hey, you know, free money. What? Let's go. Mm-hmm. Proof of stake. Yeah. It's like I'm, I'm close. I'm, I'm staked near the money printer. I get I get my I get my yield. Mm-hmm. But in a Bitcoin world, in a Bitcoin, a hyper Bitcoinized world, any printing of money, it is it is basically broadcast. It can't help but be now okay now your dollar is worth this much in bitcoin and so yeah it can they can it can exist but their hands are they got both hands tied behind their backs so it's like it's sort of like an honorary it will be a relic it will be like oh if people like yeah you know i'm just an old guy i kind of just like to feel my dollar that's fine (laughs) you can feel your dollar i just like that feeling and that I have dollars. And there will be people like that who like to feel oh, their, yeah. hard, their cold, hard cash. As, as, as long they, as they don't switch to a Bitcoin unit of account, they will like the feeling of the dollar. That's right. Unit of account. That's right. I mean, even the Texas truckers before, uh, I mean, Texas truckers, the Canadian, uh, Canadian truckers, truckers mm-hmm. um, before, you know, when they were they were looking for ways to subvert the the freedom, uh, the, 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 the mandate. Um, don't want to say that word. But before they were trying to subvert the mandate, they were saying, "Hey, we don't, we don't want, we don't want the Bitcoin. We want the cold hard cash." So there's something about there's a, always going to be a group of people who just want to touch the money. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't fault them for it. I think it's like foolish. you said, it's so it's so ingrained, it's so innate, it's so they've grown up with it or accustomed to it. They they feel like they understand what money is. And maybe the next generation will change. You know, mm-hmm. we play we, yeah. we play internet games that that our our parents couldn't even fathom. So yeah, yeah, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so uh, now looking at the second half, um, focusing on the declarations of uh, what Bitcoin is, what this uh, monetary network is, um, I'll start with uh, highlighting number 16. This monetary network is based on consensus rules, math, and cryptography, not by the subjectivity of rulers, power, and preference. I mean, I think this goes hand in hand with a lot of stuff that I was saying already. You know, the people who are closest to the money printer benefit the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the rules change, excuse me, if the rules change around um, the the rate of printing or who gets or who gets access to the new units, um, that is based on who is the who is the king or who is who is uh, the king of the money printer who is elected. Or nominated, you know, the people who run the Federal Reserve are not elected officials. Um, so I think that Bitcoin sort of flips that on its head, where it's like, look, here's a here's a system that it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you feel, that this is the, these are the rules. Twenty one million every ten every ten minutes, give or take, difficulty adjustment, and no one is big enough to to change that and a lot of people don't have a lot of people don't feel comfortable with that they want they want their rulers to to own their money they want their rulers to to, they want their rulers the the rulers want to own the money well it's a nice comfortable feeling right to just feel like someone else is in control or something and someone's looking out for you or or taking care of you yeah um uh but yeah uh um 
that was what you said here in your um, very first piece. Uh, central banks that own the fiat money do not make decisions to benefit the individual. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's a for, for that one. So, but it intuitively it makes sense. Like, oh, this is the government. It's uh, it represents us, the people. Um, but we know power corrupts. So. Uh, you know, it could be a good ideal, but it's ultimately not practical. And to me, that's such a powerful concept idea to say, uh, ultimately, especially when it comes to simply just money, this is something where it's better to uh, just follow rules, not rulers. Um, number 18, this monetary network is able to move value across space and time with minimal loss of energy and at low cost. We, we can't, I mean, there, there are gatekeepers that, that keep, that keep money within domains and it's not fair there doesn't there's it's, it's irrational there's no reason why i mean we live in 2022 we have the internet there's no reason why i can't send money to france and it shouldn't and it should only cost the the the, the value of of whoever has to make the whoever has to move the transit the the cost of the network you know the transaction, yeah. the transactional free fees. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why I have to pay Visa. There's no reason why I have to pay the Bank of International Settlements. There's no reason why I have to pay a fee to Bank of America for some wire transfer. That are they giving you a service? Are they providing something that you get for uh, trusting them? I mean, I mean, all they all I know is that they're charging probably a eight hundred percent over what it actually costs in mm -hmm. electricity and <laughs> and and. And, and routing the packets and energy. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, a, a post by Caitlin Long talked about that, uh, talking about how much a wire, how much uh, they were overcharging for wire transfers, and it was it was just criminal. If you overcharge, it was 900 percent. If you charge anyone that for anything else, you would think like it's send them to jail. Right. I mean, we're not flying gold bars across the ocean where we actually need fuel or something or, or sailing gold bars across on a ship with people securing it. It's all digital anyway. So that's know. what's so. And so, you know, there's no one to to price gouge that mm -hmm. mechanism. And I think that's important. I think that makes the world smaller. It encourages um, it encourages, you know, the economies to grow more efficiently when you can have settlement in 10 minutes and you can know that for sure. And you don't need, again, this is just goes back to the peer to peer, no third party. It's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great line. So I think that summarizes the next three bullets, which were 19, uh, this monetary network is accessible to anyone with an internet connection. 20 contains no barriers to entry for the masses permissionless 21. This monetary network revived the time-honored freedom of saving as a wealth accumulation strategy, regardless of race, creed, or nationality. I wanted to jump to the very final bullet of Declaration of Monetary Independence, which I think is, uh, it, it's easy to sound cliche, So, but I would love to break through the cliche mm -hmm. and expound on what it really means. 29, this monetary network promotes freedom, cooperation, and working toward mutual benefit, providing a path for peace. I think Bitcoin um, disincentivizes war. War war increases um, the need for money printing. Um, I think Bitcoin uh, disincentivizes, um, you know, the the need for the need for people to try to gain play uh gain value or gain 
gain their place in society at the expense of others. Um, there's always going to be free market. There's going to always going to be winners and losers. Um, That's right. We're not we're not saying uh, you know everyone is going to be rich because they had Bitcoin. It's not that case. Like we talked about earlier, it's uh, you still have to work for what you earn. It's not some free meal ticket or something. That's right. But when you consider that everyone could essentially be rich in their own right, where you if you're making again, I'm going to use dollar unit of account because that's what we're used to. If you make thirty thousand dollars. You can be rich in $30,000 the same way someone who makes $100,000 can be rich in that, the same way someone who makes a million can be rich because one thing is so important is that you don't have to worry about someone debasing the value that you earn. You don't have to, be, you don't have to worry about next year, I wonder what I'm going to do. If you're a garbage man, you can be a garbage man forever, and that's not a bad thing. You don't, you don't have to worry about, I need to be a garbage man now, and then somehow I have to make it to become a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's nonsensical. But in our current world, you always have to be planning on where do I, where else do I need to go in order to not starve. Yeah. So in a, in a way, if you're not worried about starving, you can, you are essentially rich. You're hitting a couple of those, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You're yeah. knocking them down because it's like you understand where your place is in this world. Mm-hmm. And if you want to pursue it, then, then you can girdle up, saddle up, yeah. study more, whatever. It's a, it's that's, a, it's a that's good that deal. concept of the hamster wheel of you have to run faster and faster and faster just to stay where you are. Uh, and uh, with Bitcoin, it's it's not necessarily the case. You're not you don't need to outrun inflation anymore. I did want to give you Ulrich uh, the last word um, as we close the podcast. If there's just anything else you would like to say or add or expand upon. I think that I, I, one, I appreciate you um, starting your podcast. I think that that these types of these mediums, <laughs> these mediums are important. I think the more, the more honestly, the merrier. It's good to get people's voices out and to to use these forms to combat the the legacy media fud, the legacy media attacks against what is what we know as as a peaceful revolution. Um, I think Bitcoin um, is a benefit to most people, um, but it's a detriment to some. Everyone doesn't get better on a Bitcoin standard. There's a lot of people who benefit from fiat and they're because they're they're well off. They're fighting hard. Um, And I don't think I don't think Bitcoin is going to, to win easily. I think I think we will. I think we I think Bitcoin will persevere in the end. But I think but it's going to be it's going to be a contentious. It's going to be it's going to not be um, as expected. And we need to be ready for we need to be ready for some tough times. But as long as we are we are working together in sort of cooperation in like the last line, cooperation and working towards mutual benefit, providing a path for peace, as it says in Domi, I think uh, I think we're in for a good overall um good ending what would you think what would you say to anyone who thinks it's too late to get started in bitcoin um again if you do, if if you think if you when you consider that it's anti-inflationary when you consider that it's a censorship censorship resistance um then you start you stop thinking about the price right now uh-huh. you know it's not a it's not oh, oh my good my cool trade bro no it's more of like this money is good. Would you rather have a dollar or would you rather have a peso? You're going to choose that dollar. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that dollar has has properties that make it better. In the same way, Bitcoin, um, it's never too late for a better money. That's right. It's never too late. In fact, we might say it's so early. <laughs> All right, Ulrich Bell, thank you for coming on. Um, grateful to have the chance to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you.